Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Thank you to the, the worship team in, in using those words, preparing room, what an appropriate um, Advent image of what we are doing uh, throughout this season, uh, preparing our hearts. Uh, that Christ may come in. Uh, I invite you now at this point to open up your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, and we are going to be reading verses 1 through 5. Uh, for those of you who were here last week, that's not a typo. We're, we're doing verses 1 through 5 twice, and that's because Pastor Ben opened up uh, verses 1 through 5, and he had the, the specific goal in, in taking the words light and darkness and using that as an Advent theme that we could prepare ourselves into. And I'm going to be looking at these first verses with a different angle. I'm going to be looking at them seeing how this prepares us for the whole of the Gospel of John. Because we're starting a series right now in the Gospel of John, and you'll notice that we um, handed out some little bookmarks. Um, hopefully you got them alongside the, the programs this morning. And um, on this, there are some keywords, some keywords that I think are really helpful in understanding John as a whole. So. Um, I've encouraged maybe uh, buying one of these booklets that just contains the Gospel of John for, for reading John. Um, you can just read it in your own Bibles as well. Uh, but these bookmarks might be helpful in looking towards what sorts of things can we focus on? Uh, what things does John use to illuminate who Jesus is? And some of the most powerful things in John that I've found are these, these groups of opposites, these dualisms in John that take really simple images and then contrast them. So light and dark is one of them, above and below is another, flesh and the spirit is another one. And John, throughout the whole gospel, is gonna take these words, and you'll see a lot of them are in these first 18 verses that we're focusing, through, uh, focusing in on through Advent. And he's going to layer them with meaning each time, deepening our understanding of what they can mean and how they reveal who Jesus is. And I love these words because they're, they're just really simple for us. These, this is free for anyone to access. You don't need to have gone to Bible college or, or learn uh, Greek uh, to, to get this depth that John is inviting us into. Um, we can just be looking at the repetition and seeing how John is building something for us. So that's on the one side. On the other side, there's other words. They're not the dualisms, uh, but they're just words that John will repeat, these simple words, belief, to know, life, and eternal life, truth, the, wor the world, and glory. There's some other words that we could have in there too of, of signs, and John's going to be using these words really intentionally to build us this fuller vision of who Jesus is. Um, just one other thing I want to note um, on this as well is there's four different little sections that we've given for the Gospel of John. John is 21 chapters long, and it could be hard to figure out what part of John are we in as we journey through it. So I've just given four sections to simplify it a little bit. We're going to be in the first 18 verses through Advent, and this is this preparatory space. John is 
pointing towards the rest of the gospel in the first 18 verses. Then chapter 1, verse 19, all the way to the end of chapter 12, John is in this other section where he's focusing in on Jesus' ministry. He's showing Jesus' miracles, the, the signs that happen in there. Um, that's going to be a key part that we'll focus on um, after Christmas. And then, come Lent, we're going to be in chapter 13, where John shifts his direction. This is kind of the central focal point in John, where he starts this farewell discourse, which is really preparing us towards the cross. Uh, so that's the two main sections that take up the bulk of John, is the, the signs and then the farewell discourse, and then we're also going to spend a little bit of time and later on, looking at the resurrection, because John doesn't finish with the cross. Uh, he still has two chapters at the end, looking at what does it mean to live this new creation life. One more thing about John. Um, John does all of this using really simple language and using things that anyone can kind of access. There's, there's such clarity in John towards who Jesus is that this has been used for, um, in different missionary circles. If you're looking at how do we introduce the gospel in a different culture, John is often the first place that people go. Um, and it's been commented that there's, there's the simplicity in John as well as a lot of depth in it. Uh, you've probably heard this quote if you've uh, been at church for a, a long time. It's a popular quote. Uh, it stems back at least to the sixth century where uh, Gregory the Great was uh, a Christian back then, had this popular comment on scripture. He said that scripture is a kind of river which is both shallow and deep, through which both a lamb may find footing and the elephant float. And I think that's something particularly true of John. And so that image will stick. I drew an elephant and a lamb here. A little river, you can see they're kind of float, or they're hovering around, and John is one where both of them can kind of coexist. This is a great book. If you're new to Christianity, you don't know much about who Jesus is. There's some clarity for you to stand in. But if you are seasoned in your faith, um, have some maturity, you've spent time contemplating the scriptures, there is a depth here for you to wade in. Uh, so I'm excited to jump into uh, the Gospel of John with you. And um, with that, let's prepare our hearts in prayer uh, before reading verses 1 through 5. Creator God, you remind us that the darkness of ignorance and doubt cannot overcome your life-giving word. May your Holy Spirit, who first inspired these words of Scripture, shine your light and once again, awaken us to the hearing and living of this radiant truth in Jesus' name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. 
So the other day, uh, my wife Elisa and I were watching Netflix, and uh, a new show came up on it that we, we hadn't seen before, so we figured we'd watch the trailer, kind of get a bit of a preview of what was in there. And in my understanding, there's kind of two different takes on what like a trailer does. One of them is just really ambiguous. Maybe they'll show some main characters in there, um, have some silhouettes, maybe show the director and kind of grab your interest that way. Uh, another take is they just show everything in the movie. They just kind of give it all away. And that was the one that we kind of noticed. It was just like, here's a plot twist and here's the next plot twist. And we kind of figured like, this is, we don't, we're not going to have any surprises anymore by the end of this. And that's, the, the thing that they're trying to do there is they're showing plot twist after plot twist, trying to hook you in to say, what's the rest of this? How, how are they going to piece this together? They want you to watch, they want to draw you in to see how is this going to be filled out. And that's a little bit how I see the prologue here, the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. John is giving us these little scenes, these little flashes of insight into what is going to be coming, and he's doing so trying to grab the reader's interest, trying to say there is something really significant about whoever is going to be talked about in later on. This, this Jesus person is a really big deal. And he's going to do this by introducing some of these key phrases. We look at the word of light and darkness. He's going to be building on that. That little snapshot that we get in there, it's going to come up again and again. It's going to build up, for instance, in John chapter 8, where Jesus himself announces, I am the light of the world. These things that we find in the prologue are building towards this broader picture of who Jesus is and what John is doing. In the beginning was the Word. That's, that's the first kind of clip, the first sequence in the trailer here, and it focuses in on the Word here. And the Word is most definitely Jesus here. He wants to let us know that Jesus was present in the very beginning. And you'll see that the word is referenced three times here. The main character is kind of being illuminated in this sequence, shot after shot. The word was there in the beginning. The word was with God. So we know that this word, whoever this word is, is in deep relationship with God. There's this proximity in the Trinity that we are seeing here and the word was God. So we get this sense that this word is also one with God, God himself. There's, there's a lot packed in into this, even this first sentence, this first little sequence here of what this story is going to be about. There's a bit of almost a spoiler alert in here for thinking it in terms of a trailer. John's making it abundantly clear right as we get started. Jesus is God. This main character is a very big deal. Now, this opening sequence, I think it's helpful to understand through the rest of John um, where John is going. 
And to look at where John is going, we can go back to John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, because we don't have to guess where John is going. John tells us, he makes it very clear at the end of his gospel what the purpose is. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Essentially, he's letting us know that this, this here is a book, this gospel telling has lots in it, but I have a very specific focus in what I am saying, and the purpose here is it is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What is set up in the prologue in the very first lines is linked to the very purpose at the end of the book. And we'll find this time and time again. Our, our series title is found in here, uh, That You May Believe. And as we look through the Gospel of John, we're going to be coming back to that purpose, and we're going to look at it kind of through that lens. How is this equipping us to be believers how is this equipping us into belief in Jesus? Jesus, not just as a great teacher, but Jesus as the Son of God. Now, one of the things, just recognizing that belief is such a big deal in here, uh, we're going to be reflecting for ourselves this simple question. What does it mean for you to believe? Or even, take a step further, do you believe? That's not a, an assumption that we can have for everyone that's here this morning. What, what does it mean for you to believe? Uh, when I ask that, it's not just a hypothetical question. Uh, it's a question that I hope to actually take into my visits in the upcoming months. And as I bring in these questions, why do you believe? What does it mean to believe? I hope to hear a variety of different responses. I hope when I, I visit some people that I hear these miraculous stories where they had a, a really tough time in their lives and Jesus came in and he brought healing and restoration and that is a place in where you found your belief. But I also hope to hear other stories that might feel perhaps a little more ordinary but I hope to hear that there are people that believe because they were shown the love of Christ in their upbringing and through their families, that through hours of service and love and care, through being a part of a church community that followed through on their baptismal promises to pray for, to love and care for them, that that is something that drew them into belief. I also hope to ask this question what does it mean for you to believe? Knowing that this could be a vulnerable space uh, for some people. That, that we're free to admit that sometimes it's not always that easy to believe. That belief these days sometimes can be swirling around with doubt in ways that we might not be able to really fully understand. Maybe it's because of ways that you see Christians acting, that it's not in line with what you think a true follower of Jesus should be doing. 
Maybe you've been hurt in an experience in the church. Maybe you're struggling with a part of the Bible that just doesn't make sense, something in, in the Old Testament and the conquest and, and the killings that happened there, and you're struggling with that. Or maybe it's something in the New Testament, uh, a passage that's, that's difficult that, that Paul had written. There's lots of different things that cause us to kind of wonder, what does it mean to believe? Whatever is the case for you, the, the series title, this, this series focus is something that I want us to all be considering and growing in, and we're going to approach what belief is through different angles throughout our series. And I, kind of, I say this recognizing that this is a pretty big and weighty subject, that there's, not, there's no amount of preaching and reading John that is actually going to draw you into belief, that that is not a burden that's on my shoulders, that we actually are completely dependent on the work of the Spirit to draw us into that. And just recognizing that, I just want to have a moment to pray, and it's not the end of the sermon, uh, but I, I really do want to invite uh, the Spirit's presence in here uh, to, to form us and to draw us as we work through the Gospel of John together. So let's just pray. Lord, uh, we so need you. We need your Spirit to guide us, to convict us, to comfort us, to draw us near to you. As we continue in opening your word, as we look through the Gospel of John, draw us into deeper belief, deeper trust in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So that, that's going to be a, a theme, something that we're going to be relying on the, of the Spirit's work in us. Um, and we're going to be looking at what does it mean to believe. And I think another helpful angle, another way of looking at this is thinking of the question, uh, what if someone that was brand new to the Christian faith came to you? How would you describe who Jesus is? How would you describe to them what it means to believe? I actually had this happen to me a couple years back. Someone found me on a website for a church and thought, hey, here's a pastor. Here's someone involved in a religious kind of place. I'll just call them up don't know anything really about Christianity, about, don't know much about who Jesus is, but this person can help kind of show me the way. If you received that call, if you had that question, what would you say to that person? How would you introduce who Jesus is? How would you introduce what it means to believe? And it, it's a tough question, uh, but I think it's a question that to kind of circle back to the beginning of John here, it's one that helps us understand what John is doing in his introduction and in the prologue here. John is setting up for us who Jesus is. Uh, John is someone that's known as the evangelist. If, if you uh, look through other books on John, that's a common title that he is known by because, again, he's one that introduces Jesus in such a, a clear way that it's been used in, in evangelism throughout the world, throughout history. 
these stories are kind of carefully crafted to bring people into belief. And I'm just okay, wondering for us to look at, where would you start in talking about who Jesus is? Would you start with Jesus' teachings, kind of giving a good summary of his teachings, it's all we need, as if he was just a good teacher? Uh, would you focus just solely on the cross or on the resurrection or what he looked like or what his friends were like, who he surrounded himself with? Where do you focus? Where do you go? If you put it in terms of a trailer or a movie, what would your opening scene be? Because you want this opening scene to get the attention of the people, but you also want it to reveal something about what this story is going to be about. The other Gospels, if you look at them through this lens, um, do a similar thing. You can look at uh, Matthew and you can look at Luke, or Matthew and Luke, if you look at Mark and Luke, uh, they'll open in a similar way with looking at John the Baptist. And in John the Baptist, you have this last great kind of Old Testament prophet figure. They, They open with John the Baptist because they're saying this story is very much linked to Israel's longings, to this this people who are hoping to see God's blessings. So the story is going to be linked. The introduction is telling us this story, this person Jesus, is going to answer. He's going to bring fulfillment to what Israel was waiting for. Looking at Matthew, he goes another step further. He's got this long genealogy, goes all the way back to Abraham. So he is saying that this is about God's covenant promise. This is getting realized in in a real and a deep way. But John, in his opening, he pans all the way out. He goes all the way back saying, this isn't limited to just a group of people. This goes back to the very foundations of creation itself. John starts, in the beginning... And these words are meant to draw us back to another time in the Bible where in the beginning is found the very first words of Scripture. As Ben had pointed out last week, this takes us right back to Genesis 1 to 3. And when John brings it up, he's he's not just alluding to the first three words of Genesis. He wants us to be thinking of that whole first chapter, that whole first bit of that creation narrative. So I just want to look back into what is John alluding back towards. He's alluding back to a time where he says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And it's from that, this emptiness and darkness, that God then speaks, let there be light. And God saw that there was light, and it was good. Now, a part that I want to just highlight in here is this formlessness, this emptiness that was there in the beginning. Uh, the, the word here, it's actually a, a pretty popular term uh, for, for Hebrew scholars, it's tohu wabohu. 
Um, you don't need to know Hebrew to know it's a fun word. Uh, tohu wabohu. It, it gets repeated um, in, in different fiction stories, and it really, it's, it's what's translated there as formless and empty. It, it, it's this description of what, what is there, this emptiness before God steps in and brings creation. Uh, one of the stories, one of my favorite authors, Wendell Berry, um, mentions this term in a time in his, in his story. Uh, so in this story, this main character, he's having this big change in his life, he's got this chaotic backstory, and he wants to start fresh. So he's in the midst of the storm, so it's this part is just steeped in metaphor, but there's this surging storm happening. He's on his way to start something fresh, and he has to cross a bridge, but the waters are rising up, and the bridge might get swept away at any moment, so he's crossing that bridge, and as he crosses, he just glances down, and he's taken back to an earlier teaching around tohu wabohu. He repeats it through here thinking, looking at the swirling waters, the chaos, the destruction that it's bringing around, the, the potential collapse of the bridge, just thinking, this is the kind of utter chaos. This, there's a need in this space for God to step in, for God to come and bring a creation, to bring flourishing out of it. So Genesis is a story where God comes into the swirling chaos and creates order and flourishing. Uh, that first day, God creates light from darkness. Uh, he separates uh, water from the land. He populates the land and the sea with vegetation and with creatures, and he takes it from the swirling emptiness into a flourishing and good creation. Genesis 1 is a story that is about the beauty and goodness of creation. It's diversity from the platypus to tree frogs and insects to rock formations. And this, this whole thing, this beautiful, diverse creation is capped off with humanity. People that were created to care for creation and to bring it into that flourishing, to continue in filling the earth with God's goodness. And we want to attach this, we want to remember in looking at this John chapter 1 story that he's calling us back to remember that God was someone who took a very chaotic scene of something with emptiness in it and was able to act in a new way to bring new creation, to bring flourishing out of that. He was able to bring abundant life. The only other time that Tohu Wabohu shows up in uh, the Old Testament is in Jeremiah chapter 4. Uh, chapter 4, verse 23. And in this time, he's not describing um, the creation story. He's actually describing what Israel kind of has become as they've distanced themselves from God. They're describing the utter chaos. Like, humanity was created. They were supposed to bring this creation into flourishing, but they have done the opposite. God's people are part of almost this uncreation. They're bringing it back to this state of complete emptiness, this void. And uh, Jeremiah is saying that in this point, 
we need the creator God to step in. That all of our efforts are kind of fruitless trying to do all of these things without God. That in our sin, he doesn't just look towards um, naming the, the abuses that are taking place, uh, but he goes to look at what are the effects of this sin. And it's this complete undoing of the goodness that is meant in creation. And this is the point where God steps in. John is kind of assuming that we're going to associate these sorts of ideas with that creation story. And he is starting within the beginning, recognizing that the state of humanity without God is completely hopeless. We need God to come and step into this space. The world is in need at the time of Jesus here of a new creation story. So John begins his gospel within the beginning, and in doing so, he's panning out and saying, this is this new creation story that we've been waiting for. This is no ordinary story. This story about this person, whatever is to follow here, is so big in its influence that we can't just go back to a group of people. We need to go back to the start of creation itself. By starting within the beginning, He's setting us up for the whole story that is to come. This is a a new creation story. All of the Gospel of John is going to draw us into this image of new creation. And we're going to approach that. We're going to see how the different signs that Jesus performed, these, these miracles, point us towards this new creation reality. We're going to look at how the resurrection is kind of this first fruit of new creation. It's a theme that John is opening up in the prologue that he's going to carry all the way through in the story. That is how he introduces Jesus, by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The story that's to follow, just he's setting this up with this big kind of cosmic implications, isn't a story then about God coming in for this new creation. Uh, It's not about drawing these people out. Uh, It's not about rescuing people from a, a tarnished creation and one that's become kind of formless and void. Instead, this, this is what we focus in towards Advent. Advent isn't about this removal and God kind of distancing himself with the dirtiness, the formlessness of creation, but it's him entering into creation itself and bringing redemption of creation from that point. It's God peeling back the chaos and bringing it back into its wholeness that it was made for, the goodness of creation that it was made for. It doesn't involve God wiping out what's evil in humanity in one fell swoop. It doesn't involve rescuing people into some heavenly sphere or realm where our souls aren't touched by all that yucky creation stuff. Our rescue is God entering in. And the story that follows is this gospel good news of what results of God entering into creation itself. That God brings renewal of creation. 
He begins the movement of new creation in an entirely different way. John starts this way, and he forces Christians then to take this physical world seriously. We're not about some sort of spiritual escape. The story that is to follow is a story about God bringing redemption into creation and calling his followers to do the same. In terms of the Gospel of John, it is about light coming into the world, and his followers then are called children of light. They they do a similar thing to what Jesus does. They are given the same tasks of redemption and renewal of the world through the Spirit's work in us. Now, I like how um, Eugene Peterson, he's a pastor from the States, um, frames the Gospel of John. He says that we cannot live God's gifts of salvation history apart from creation's conditions. Essentially, we can't live into salvation without living this into the day-to-day realities of our lives, that Jesus didn't do that, and we can't, that, that we are people who are to take redemption just into our um, created living. So whatever spirituality is, whatever it means, it cannot be separated from the actual lives that we have in following Jesus, and it calls us into very practical places. It takes seriously, we do take seriously, what it means um, for us to get life from above, but it also shows the importance of the world around us. So by taking this gospel seriously, we will see that our Christian lives cannot be separated from following Jesus one step at a time, walking from the kitchen to the bedroom, from the parking lot to the workplace, from the sanctuary to the cemetery. Our whole lives are to be a part of this new creation living. We believe in a God that takes sin and the chaos and can bring new life in the midst of that. And that's what we're going to be looking forward to throughout the Gospel of John. Uh, So that's kind of where we're going, uh, but I just want to give a bit of a summary of what we've looked at so far. And there's kind of three questions, three different applications that I want to leave you with at the end of this message here. The first is, I want you to ask yourself that question that I asked in the very beginning. What does it mean to believe? This is an application that is as central and as practical as the the foundation of this gospel message itself. What does it mean to believe? I'm going to be asking that question and answering it in different ways through this series. Another question that I want us to consider is, how would you share the story of Jesus to someone that was completely new to Christianity? As we're beginning the Gospel of John, if you don't have a clear answer to that, if your answer is, well, I would point them to Pastor Ben or to Pastor Steve, Um, This is a challenge for you. Submerse yourself into this story. Be able to describe what this is about Jesus that makes us someone that that we can believe in, the one that can bring this true life for us. 
And lastly, I want to challenge you that as you think about how you, how you describe that story, do you zoom back out as far as John does? Do you see how Jesus is more than just a good teacher or a model to follow, but God entering into creation? And do you see how Jesus' entering into creation impacts the whole of our lives to our day-to-day living? That salvation is not about rescue from creation, but renewal of creation itself. And do we believe that God is big enough to bring that about? As we reflect on those things, uh, let's come before God in prayer. Dear Lord, in the beginning, you took a world that was empty and void, and you brought it into flourishing. You brought it into fullness. And now we look out into the world, and we see formlessness. We see emptiness in different ways. We see it that is still wreaking havoc out there. And we pray that you bring your work of new creation through your work in us. May we help the poor. May we show kindness to the stranger. May we raise families that are kind. May we be a church that brings welcome and belonging. May we show that we are people that have grasped onto that life that you bring. We pray for your spirit to work in our hearts that we consider more deeply what it means to believe in you. And may our belief be more than just thinking about something, but a belief that draws us into a life that is true. Bring us to walk forward step by step with the confidence of someone that knows that God, who created all things, is bringing our rescue and sustaining us with his spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.